Welcome to Stories from the Pitch, a podcast dedicated to creating a living oral history about street performing and some of the crazy characters who populate this world. I'm Magic Brian, your host for this growing collection of interviews. In this episode, Alan Miller sat down with Kenny Lightfoot to talk about his nearly 40-year career as a street performer, starting out doing shows in San Francisco at the age of 21. They recorded this about a year ago in Bob Bestman's rehearsal studio in Kanab, Utah. If you've never met or seen Kenny, he has one of the most unique magic shows on the streets and a finale you can watch over and over and over. A rent to Kenny in several countries, it just seems to appear out of nowhere, like magic. He and Al got into some specifics about many of the pitches he's worked, especially in the U.S., Australia, and New Zealand, and they talk about his approach to street performing and building a show. He shares stories about working Pearl Street in Boulder starting back in the 90s, and runs through many of the performers that worked the pitch, and talks about how that's where he came up with his very unique finale, throwing a playing card on the roof of a building. He's definitely put his time in on the streets, working up from sleeping on a bench, to his car, to a weekly hotel, to traveling the world. It's a fascinating story that I hope you'll enjoy. All right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We're sitting here in Kanab, Utah, November 1st, 2019. We've just been up in Zion National Park hiking. I'm sitting here with a legend, an icon, a master of street performing, Kenny motherfucking Lightfoot. <laughs> Motherfucker. Just Kenny Lightfoot. That's not, I never motherfucked <laughs> It's Kenny Lightfoot. And uh, he's a master of street performing. From When did you start street performing? Oh, that's a good question. Jeez. Um, I think I was 21. I started. 21, so that's uh, 30 years ago. 51 now. Oh, no, sorry. That's no, it's 40 years ago. You're 61? Okay, 40. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 39 years ago. Oh, all right. Yeah. So you're 60. Yeah. Oh, you don't look a day older than 60. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> so you started when you're 21. Where? San Francisco. Actually, my first performance ever was in uh, Carmel, California. Right. And they kicked me out. Where's Carmel? That's right next to Monterey, California, but it's the high-end district of Monterey. Okay. And so it didn't go so well? Oh, the police stopped me. All right. So I did the show. Next America, yay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's That would have been a good, it still would be a good pitch if you could work it. Right. So if anybody wants to go out there and try to open that up, <laughs> pull it off, yeah. Because it's, it's high in the area. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And uh, so you got, that was your first show ever? Yeah, yeah. It was my first uh show uh, even as a magician I think hmm. so where did you continue street performing then um, well I, I actually I moved out of I moved out of uh, I'm originally from Pittsburgh so I moved out of Pittsburgh to become a professional gambler in Vegas really yeah poker uh, no blackjack hmm. and then um, after lasting about six months and losing my money I had an aunt in Monterey <laughs> and so I went out to Monterey and did telephone operating and then went down to that's why I tried it in Carmel right and then I went up to San Francisco and saw some of the performers up there and you had been doing magic before that I I been studying magic before that but right. I never actually performed it so right. it, was, it just seemed a logical thing as if I don't have to market myself I just have to go out and, go and, do, it. and do it yeah it's the best thing about so it. I had the skills as a technical skills mm-hmm. but I didn't have uh, otherwise yeah Right, so you had the chops, but not the the street performance chops. Yeah, exactly. Who helped you out with that? 
Um, not just nobody really helped me out in street performing. I just uh, read. I was a very bookaholic type of person. Mm. But there's about back in that time. There's that. I mean, street performing is not really even. There's a few good books out there, but for the most part, um, you just got to go out there and do it. And right. Make your mistakes. And what performance did you see back then? Uh, when I first got out there, and even before I even went to San Francisco, I saw um, in Monterey, and he I, he was a street performer back in the day, but I never saw him as a street performer. It was H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, and he was at the Monterey County Fair. Right. So I saw his show uh, there. Actually, I went up and talked to him until I was interested in street performing. He invited me to come back and see his show. Right. And I went back to see his show. He did a medicine show, by the way. H.P. Lovecraft did a medicine show. But it was uh, right. really well constructed. Um, and I was just too intimidated to even come back and talk. So you didn't get to talk to him? After I saw the show, ah. I was like, fuck. That's, you know, you didn't have your idea of, oh, I'm a magician. I know right, I'm right. and do it. And, all. and you see him, and I'm like, jeez. I just couldn't talk. I've heard him. the name. What kind of stuff did he do? I was like a comedy uh, medicine show. So it was, right. yeah. It was really well done. I think there might be even a book on his thing, and I think he still performs. Right, really? Yeah, and he was at the he was in the same era as uh, Harry Anderson, mm-hmm. um, and um, so they were at the same era. And um, I think uh, Amazing Jonathan was close in that area as well. Is this the seventies or the eighties? Eighties, right? I don't know what uh, Harry Anderson and. Uh, because when I was, Harry Anderson was already, not, he was doing the college circuit, I believe, mm-hmm. at that time. So it was uh, Jonathan and, uh, I, and Lovecraft, I think, was just doing bears. So maybe it was, I don't know. Right. Yeah. And uh, who was like, did they really influence you, those two, or mm-hmm. other guys? I mean, I really liked uh, Harry Anderson every day because I never saw a show. <laughs> so I never actually saw his show back in those days, and he wasn't even a... Uh, the one that I saw um, at the comedy club was Amazing Jonathan. Right. And um, he was doing street back then, or just he was, it was right after his street. He okay. went from street to comedy. Right, club, right. And he yeah. took off from there. Yeah. And that his original shows was like Penn and Teller's original show was brilliant. Right. Because a lot of times your original show is a brilliant show. Yeah, yeah that's the one. Else, yeah. yeah. So uh, if you get to see uh, Amazing Jonathan's original show. Don't miss it. Right. So same thing with Penn and Teller's original show. Yeah. Uh, but who was down there? And I went to San Francisco. So the, when I, well, I went back, lost lost money, then went back to Pittsburgh, and then came back and went to San Fran, San Francisco. Right. And said, "Well, I'll go to San Francisco and be a performer." Had you heard about that as a pitch before? Yeah, because I was in Monterey, so I did a, a, a like a weekend up to San Francisco right, and right. saw some of the performers, I believe. Okay. And the king at that time pretty much was uh, uh, Robert Nelson. He was uh, of course. the big, and he was in the gesture outfit. Right. Was, a lot of people want to see him in that. Yeah, oh, man, it's a great juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah. Being it's a total perfect. asshole, but wearing Yeah, just it was perfect. Alone, alone. Yeah, yeah. It, was brilliant. it was before all the big unicycles. He was on just a, a little, you know. A regular little, unicycle. Yeah. Yeah. So it was brilliant. And uh, so he was pretty much, uh, who else was there? Uh, American Dream, which was uh, Scotty Meltzer and uh, mm-hmm. I forget. Uh, John Park? Yeah, John Park. Yeah. So they were there. They were like the other 
They were the big team act, yeah. and I'll say a high street circus, which is uh, one of them still was up in Pier 39. They came back. Willer, I think. Right. Um, they were there, and um, Fred Anderson mm-hmm. was one of the. Man, he's still there. Yeah, and he's 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 the one that he's. It's called he's the coordinator now. Exactly. Yeah. That Pier 39. Mm-hmm. And back then it wasn't just Pier 39. It was the Anchorage. Mm. And the cannery, which was the brilliant, uh, really theatrical spot, and the Ghirardelli. Right. And uh, what's the... Uh, what's the one like the balconies in that? Pier 39 had the balconies. Right. And um, all of them had... No, uh, cannery didn't have the balconies, but uh, Anchorage did. Mm. You wouldn't recognize Anchorage from what it looks like now to right. what it was before. And uh, what's the guy's name that used to do Beaver to Cleaver? Mm. Um, Michael Davis. Oh, right. He wasn't there, but he would not. From what I heard, he never worked Pier Thirty Nine because it didn't work. It's the energy is huh. too crazy. Struggling legend. But the cannery was a perfect scenario for him. Mm-hmm. But the big act, and uh, even Robert Nelson, if you, I don't know if Dave would probably say that was uh, we were talking about uh, uh, Robert uh, Bob Hartman. It was a puppeteer. It didn't have a big crowd, but brilliant. Routine. Right. If you give her a chance to look on YouTube, it's from Iron Wall. It's like incredible. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like, yeah, everybody, any puppeteer would be highly respected. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. And uh, what did your show consist of back then? Uh, back then I had a bird. Um, so originally I was going to have a bird. I had a bird. Uh, most uh, street performers wouldn't know, but a magician wouldn't know because I was... There was a guy named Tommy Wonder. He had a, did a routine where his a two-cup ball routine where the, the bag ended up underneath the cup. Mm-hmm. So I was in a, through misdirection, so I had a bird. I was going to get the bird underneath the cup through misdirection. Right. But he, he would, it, it didn't work. So I just had the bird. He didn't want to stand with the cup? Well, they, it was a love bird, and they, they bite. So he grab mm. them and try to stick them with bite in your hand. Right. They're sticking. It's like a parakeet or a dove, which right. wouldn't have that. Yeah, yeah. But he was in my show. Right. So initially, I had a bird who retrieved mm. and, um, and also jumped through a hoop of fire. So that was the, um, and also, uh, what other tricks did I do? I was I, I, initially I did a burnt bill routine. I did a lot of card slides because that's what mm-hmm. I was. I was mainly a card guy. So and were you doing it. like a close-up show? Or was yeah, it, it was. In fact, it wasn't on the pier. It was on the sidewalk and right. on uh, Jefferson Street. Right, right. And that's where mainly uh, the only ones who were working magicians who were working um, Pier Thirty Nine or at any other stages at that time was uh, Ken Sonkin, who was who was still as a. Uh, I don't know if he's, a, he's not a... I think he's a director of acting. He was an acting... He graduated from acting school mm. um, or a university, and he's, I think he's still a director in San Francisco. Right, right. But a brilliant silent show with doing box tricks, but really well done. In fact, the first year he arrived, there was always a competition in Pier 39, and I heard, I heard he just, just blew everybody away. Really? Yeah. Which is when there was some good accent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's really San Francisco was one of the first street performing hubs, you know. And it, um, yeah, yeah. You know, definitely in, in America. Mm-hmm. You know, London was in uh, the UK, but uh, yeah, lots of big acts came out of there, and lots of different, way different acts. You know, really unique. You know, it was different back then because there were uh, Ghirardelli had the the marionettes that were really strong marionettes, mm-hmm. 
and it's hard to imagine Marinettes would hold really good crowds and right. make good money. I mean, I mean, a long time ago, anything would hold a crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the TV and, and the internet and, and all that crazy, the, the phones and everything. There was Everybody's not people had attention to them. People watched Tim Eric to get out of a straitjacket for an hour. Yeah, yeah. You know? That was it. Yeah, exactly. Back in then, you could, you could, they would appreciate things more. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still do, but you got to be more savvy now or be savvy for this new audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were saying something earlier about uh, when you when you start street performing, you learn how to perform to that audience, and now it's yeah, yeah, so and much longer yes. later. You have to relearn. Exactly, because it's a different audience. Mm. It is a different audience. So the people that are starting now, a lot of them, that's their audience that they're working with. Right. So that's, that's, that's your campus. Yeah. Those people are your campus. And a lot of the people, that are the older uh, performers are working for an older campus. Right. Like, well, this is not the same people I've been, you know. But you adapt, or some people don't. Mm-hmm. That's how it goes. Yeah, you kind of have to. I yeah. adapt weekly. To different things on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. I'm always changing my hat pitch. I'm always uh-huh. changing my build. You know, throwing in different jokes, taking out other jokes. Yeah. And the, even the it's cost constant. of uh, the cost of living has changed. So people are still in the business. Mm. What was what was you know that dollar tip? It doesn't work anymore. No. If you get a dollar tip, you're not going to survive. Right. Yeah. You need fives, tens, twenties, and hopefully you can get more than that. So. Does your hat pitch change pretty often, or is it pretty much the same? I've never been comfortable with my hat pitch. Really? I know I have to, I, you always have to raise it. And there's certain, I used to do a lot of jokes at the end, and though they made the laugh, they didn't take you seriously. So the hat's yeah. a delicate, hat pitch is a delicate balance. You it want is. to make them laugh and enjoy it, make them not feel it's like... Got to, it's got to sound sincere, and it has to yeah, be, like, exactly. believable and also funny. Yeah, yeah. But you can't tell. Oh, okay, we're not going to give them. Genuine. Yeah. That's exactly. the word I reckon. Yeah. If you can master the hat pitch and you get the crowd, get the crowd and master the hat pitch, mm. then you got it. But they Sometimes you can have a terrible show and kill the hat pitch, you know, and still get paid well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, no one knows you had a bad show, but you do. No. Yeah. Well, if I have if I have a really bad show, I'll collect. Uh, really? Yeah. Sometimes they want to give you money, and I just will you like uh, abandon your hat pitch? I will. I've done it. Really? Yeah. One time, a guy, I was like, no, and the guy gave me a, a set. I don't want it. And they, you know, sometimes they want to. Well, yeah. I don't know if you've ever abandoned yours, but I. I get it. But sometimes they're like here, and it's like no, I don't. And they're, they're trying to keep it, give it to you because they want to give you something. Mm-hmm. And one guy, I said, if you give it to him, I'm just gonna throw it up, throw it away, tear it up, and throw it away. And he guys gave me a hundred dollar bill, you know, with their ego, because we're thinking, uh, right? Teared it up right in front of his face and threw it in the garbage. Oh, and that I, money doesn't make any that. Yeah. No, collectively over time, that money makes a difference. But one individual show, even a one hundred dollar bill, doesn't make. Do you remember what happened in the show? Did you quit the show? I don't remember. I, don't, I have no idea. But I did you finish the show, or did you? I have I, I I can't even recall because I don't want to. I don't want to. Th- even though I, the reason that I don't want the money is because I don't want to think of the show. I don't remember that right. show. I want that out of my thing. So yeah. I don't. I don't have no concepts of what. Clean slate. Yeah. Yeah. And you can always do that. Yeah. Now that feeling in a show when it's not going well and you go, hmm, and it crosses your mind to quit. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I try and hurdle that. Yeah, yeah. And just go, nah. I'm going to win them over at some point. Uh huh. 
And sometimes I'm all the way up to my finale doing my hat pitch, and I'm like, I still didn't win. <laughs> but and you never know. What you get do you your finale now? Yeah, you, you never know. That's it. Sometimes you think it's terrible, and they just and they pay. Yeah, you know your hat pitch, yeah. and and you do you get down and collect your hat, and it's great. Yeah, and okay. I know you're up high, so you're going to get a bigger crowd. But if even if the crowd is smaller. Sometimes the percentage of large notes is going to be oh, yeah. out, yeah, outpace what you thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, it's it's crazy. Like I used to always be able to like pull just milk that money out of even the smallest uh-huh. crowd. You know, I would be like, okay, this is going to be a small one. I'm going to really put some hard work into it and really try harder. Yeah. It, the 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 hat really makes you work harder, doesn't it? Um, does it make me work harder? If you're getting paid to do a show, or versus going to do a street show, do you are you like funnier, or do you work harder at the street show? Well, if it's a paid gig, it's easier. It is, and and I've done paid gigs inside, and the same thing that I would do in the street would have been. Not a struggle, but it would have been a solid show. Let's say inside, I would kill, and they would be right. laughing like crazy. And I'm like, "Yeah, you're like waiting for them to stop laughing." Like, <laughs> Let's say you get a gig that's like 18 days, three shows a day, uh-huh. paid. Like at any point during that gig, do you start to lose interest because there's no hat? No, when I'm in it, I'm in it. Right, it's, I'm totally in it. That's uh-huh. that's who I. That's uh-huh. my existence. I don't have. I have no life outside of. I have no life. I mean, you're married. I have no life. This is all I have is performing. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm in it, I'm in it. And yeah. that's it. That's my life. That's it. So That's amazing. When you were in San Francisco, where else did you travel to work? Uh, when I was in San Francisco. Well, back then you were in San Francisco in the 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. So which other pitches did you go to? Uh, in San Francisco, when I was specifically in San Francisco, the only places I would work is is down on Jefferson Street, and then street festivals. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would do in San Francisco. Uh, then I started traveling up to. Uh, after leaving San Francisco, I went up to Seattle and worked Seattle for a while. Oh, what's the pitch up there? It was Pike Place Market at the time, right? And um, the birth, the home of Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, on the weekends, it would be down. There's a water area. I heard they're building it up now. It's going to be a new pitch or right. something like that. But now that place is wide open, so there's mm. other spots as well. I once did a show in Seattle. Uh, I was traveling with a circus, uh-huh. and uh, we had a day. And uh, myself and Magic Brian, I'd heard about a place to work. There wasn't really an established pitch, but someone else I know had worked it. and went and did it. And uh, went great. Uh-huh. And then Brian, Magic Brian, went to do it, and I think got stopped. The police eventually yeah. showed up. Yeah. That just happens all over the states. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I told you in Carmel that the first yeah. time I tried it. First time ever. Yeah. Oh, man. Welcome to the street. Life. Yeah, yeah. And it, I've never performed in Pittsburgh. Right. They tried to stop. I, like, I, did, I came to Pittsburgh to try to do a show after years of performing and went into the square downtown. And it was, it was, I knew it was going to be a difficult pitch regardless, mm-hmm. but I wanted to just like say, I did a show in Pittsburgh. Right. 
And then I was setting up, and then a police stopped me and said, oh, you know, you can't do uh, magic here. You can't perform here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect square to do it. And, oh, yeah. and then he said, oh, well, because you can't collect money. Mm-hmm. So I decided, I said, well, I won't collect money. I'll just right. do the show. I just mm-hmm. want to do the show. And then I started setting up and plugged in my... No, you can't uh, use an amplifier. can't use amplifier. Yeah. And I knew it was, geez, I can't, this is a tough, this was a tough pitch. Yeah. And I was like, forget it. And so he was basically paid to guard a piece of concrete. Yeah. And keep it that way. It's a shame. There's so many dream pitches in this country. Yeah. Like that you just can't do shows at. Yeah. They could have, after the earthquake in uh, Santa Cruz, they should have made that a pedestrian, the main street a pedestrian. Right. Area. And did like most of the, like Australia does and like, mm-hmm. uh, Europe does walking streets yeah even the walking streets they let them let the cars deliver their stuff at a certain time up yeah. until that time uh-huh. after that time then they have this, people it's a pedestrian area it's, it's, it's a nice place to meet you know yeah. and see and people it keeps and, the downtown alive yeah people don't just leave and go home mm-hmm. they just let us hang out yeah yeah and so uh, so you went to Seattle and when did you find like another pitch that you wanted to stay at and could stay at yeah I went to Seattle uh did Seattle for a couple months or something like that and then I went down to and then I stopped off and did a weekend in uh, Portland because they have a Saturday market or something right Sunday market I can't remember which one probably Saturday market yeah so I tried that one I've heard I was up there tried that one and then I came down uh, I think I might have came back to San Francisco for a little bit then I went down to um, LA right on I worked uh, Venice Beach you did yeah, and that was tough. Yeah. I was living in my car at that time. Right. In fact, when I first went to San Francisco, I was living in my car. Right. No, and when I first went to San Francisco, I wasn't living in a car. I was living... Oh, yeah, and I had the bird. That was... Yeah, now I remember. I had my bird, and I had... I used to pay the Greyhound for the locker and keep my sleeping bag in the locker. Right. And then I would go down... The bus days. Huh? Yeah. Bus days. The Greyhound. Right on. And then I would go down and do, because I wasn't good, I would do balloons first in the, in the morning, and then in the evening, I would do a show. Right, right. So I could get my skills up. And, I remember, uh, and then in the evening, I would go down to the locker, take my sleeping bag up, go to the park of the marina, which is the next, and sleep on the park bench. Right. It's a bird. Wow. Um, and then the same thing until I could afford a car. Then I got a car, I was sleeping in the car. In the car. And then um, after that, I after I slept in the car for a while then I saved up enough money and I just got a one of those weekly hotels which mm-hmm. you could have do back in the day I think San Francisco was way too expensive to do it now. right yeah of course but back in the day you could do that and so I did that and then after that uh, so that that's basically progression um, this is all the 80s yeah late 80s I can't remember what it um, it was all west coast then I was up and yeah, I did the whole West Coast. In San Diego? Yeah, well, after Venice Beach, I got, they, they put me in, uh, they arrested me. Oh, they did again? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, you much luck with that, eh? I didn't get arrested in any of those other places, but I got arrested. The first time I got, they wasn't arrested, but they put, detained me. Right. And because they were, and I had, so they had me in handcuffs and their thing in Venice mm. Beach. I was there for a while in Venice Beach performing until they, and then, um, you got arrested performing in Venice Beach? Yeah. What, among other performers? No, just me. 
Because the cops could do that at a time. They give you a hard time. Right, right, right. I wasn't a shillum, but I didn't get around the shillum. No, well, there's still time. No, it's not time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Statue of limitation on that? That was a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I went from, from uh, in, in uh, Venice Beach. Um, who was down there? Matt and Chad were down there. The chainsaw juggler who told went on uh, Johnny Carson and told him that he was uh, making money and had Porsches. And stuff. Oh yeah, he oh, yeah, yeah. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. he was the big. And he act. got the uh, tax department came after him. Yeah, yeah, and they started yeah. doing cruise ships, hospitality stuff. Uh, yeah, he was there, and so was um, and Tony Vera showed up as well. Fireman. Yeah. Right on. And. Um, Oh, Michael Collier, who you probably comedian. Know. He was a comedian. Yeah, yeah. he was there. Yeah, you know, two other guy, comedians there too. Two black comedians that did difference between white guys and black, white people and black people, and they were really brilliant. Yeah. How they transformed themselves, but I, yeah, yeah. they disappeared. I never maybe because that was going to the crack aspect, and I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not putting that on them that that's what happened to them, but yeah, they they had a brilliant act, and they were better than uh, Tony Vera. But Tony Vera, you could tell he was making as much money as anybody else down there. Right. Uh, but they disappeared, so I, don't, I just assumed that there was a lot of people got hung up on the crack thing back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. I think it's crack back then. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, mate. It's, uh, it was an epidemic, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've never... I don't... No. Yeah, I didn't do any of that stuff, so... No, you can't. I mean, you want to be an entertainer. Yeah. Jonathan, he was doing pretty good. Oh, yeah, still, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think the rock was doing a lot. So when yeah. the money, I mean, wasn't that crack. He was, he was doing cocaine or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Performer's drug. Right, yeah, apparently. Yeah, I've not tried it, but I, I, hear, I hear things about yeah. performing on cocaine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I ended up in San Diego. Right. Yeah. So uh, I've heard about Balboa Park. Yeah. I've been there. It was an uh, interesting time, Bob Oak Park. It was uh, the big act there who doesn't work there now. And was and we were talking about the other guy who makes the big unicycles. I forgot his name. Tom Miller. Yeah, Tom Miller. So he was the guy still flying. Uh, oh, uh, Chuck Marquette at the time. His name was Chuck Marquette at the time. All right. One of the best unicycle street performers. Probably the best unicycle street performer I've ever seen in my entire right. life. Uh, Just a unicycle show. Just a unicycle show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All unicycles, different types of unicycles. And uh, and he was, and, and he did a 22-footer. That was his closer. Whoa. No one's doing that, man. No, nobody does a 22-footer. No. So every, when the park, when um, when he did the unicycle, everybody else just waited, you know. Right. Okay, well, did the unicycle. Because not every, the park stops. Everybody yeah. watches a unicycle. Yeah. And his presentation at that time wasn't as good. I mean, he got better once he, but it wasn't as good at the time. In fact, I told um, Mark Riggs a story about that. He said that's what inspired him. Really? The, the bigger unicycle. The unicycle. Because it was two things that he said. Me telling him that everything stopped when Chuck did the big unicycle. Right. And everybody watched him. And also, uh, Mark said that uh, he didn't like to have people only see his he wanted them to see all of them yeah yeah exactly I get that and his show transformed once yeah. he did it yeah I think if your feet are far above the audience that's great uh-huh. every every foot that you're 
your feet above the audience is just uh-huh. more cash in the hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that that was the transformation of him being better than Tom because I saw him arrive in Colorado with mm-hmm. Tom, and though he had said he Tom Boy Tom. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tom, what's his last name? Tom Morrison. Tom Morrison. Yeah. And uh, and and Tom was a big act. Right. And then the next year he came with that big unicycle and Mark was the band. Mark was the man. Right. So now, was it the nineties, early nineties? It had to be in the nineties, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what how long. And that's when that's when you started going to Baltimore? You heard about it? Yeah, and I heard about it in San Francisco from some guy in San Francisco who said that it was he was a, a mount climb, uh, a, a rock climber. Okay. And he said that Boulder, you could street perform in Boulder. I wonder who started, like, I think Lee Ross had something to do with starting that pitch. No, he didn't. No, Lee didn't. Lee so was did. there. Evan was one of the ones who brought it, happened, made it happen. Mm. Uh, but opening that pitch, I forget who it was. There's a guy named Evan from Seven who doesn't work there anymore, but he's, right. he's still there. He's a po- political activist. Oh, right. And they weren't a shut up the pitch the performer get rid of the performers and it was because of Evan Evan Rabbits is his name opened it up that he went and fought it mm. and he's still a political activist uh, and he was a rope walker right on and so his name is Evan from Heaven uh, that's, that's what great, he used to call him that's so, a great name for a rope yeah, walker yeah and he used to slide down the rope at the end because it was tied uh, down so he would slide it down which is nice. something that too many people do but he's still there um so yeah, so down um, San, San Diego for a while and hanging out with uh, Chuck or Chaz, which is called himself. No, I, said, I don't think he's performing anymore. Right. Um, and Jamie Atkins was there at the time. I don't know if you know Jamie. No. So Jamie, uh, and there was a, lot, a number of, uh, Sean, Mc, Sean McKinney was there uh, with his partner, which was uh, um, Stephen Hess. So there was a lot of young, young performers. So mm-hmm. I was the older guy then and they were all young like high school they were oh just, really these were all still in high school where were they learning the tricks in high school they were because they were hanging out and that's uh, I guess uh, I forget Edward Jackman was I wasn't there when Edward Jackman was there mm. and uh, and uh, the other guy who's uh, Kit Summers was there at a certain time as well yeah. And they were, from what I when I arrived, they said they used to sleep, camp out just to get the pitch, because the first one to get the pitch, get Man, the pitch. That sounds like the same story uh, in London. Like, okay, they, yeah, they yeah. So that's what they did, they were sleeping in bushes. People, who invented the draw? Like, yeah, I don't know. But, then, know I mean? but then, they, then they started regulating. Revolutionized, yeah. We can all sleep in. Yeah, Jamie's uh, circus, what's his act now? Ridiculous. No, Circus Incognitus. Mm. And so he's he's got really blossomed his show because he went up to San Francisco and started working for Pickle and then working the pier. Right. But his show's very good now. And uh, so you were working with the bird at this time? And was that Always at the bird, yeah. What's that? What was, your, was your finale what it is now? My, oh yeah, the finale came about, uh, the throwing the playing card came about because when I was in San Francisco, there were three other uh, magicians working the sidewalk right. at the same time. Uh, one was Brian Bloodworth, who had been a student of Cellini's. Mm. So, so he did like a cups and balls thing? Or? No, he didn't do cups and balls, but his his style, he was dressed like Cellini. Okay. He had a Cellini table and he had a lot of, his skills are cigarette manipulation, uh, manipulation. Yeah. and he was, he was polished, he was a polished act back then. 
but he was working it. And Jeff Edmonds, uh, who doesn't work anymore, he was like a juggler and a magician. He was from Aspen. Uh, he was working it, and a guy named Fastetti was working it as well. Um, and Jeff, back in Aspen, used to throw playing cards. Well, I started throwing playing cards in high school when I was yeah. 14. But I was throwing, I would go into gym, gymnasium doing break and throw them. So I didn't, nobody saw it. I was just throwing. amazing. And it was a book called uh, Now You See It, Now You Don't, uh, right. which is uh, Lee Ross's father illustrated it. Oh, wow. And in that book, they taught you how to throw playing cards. Right. It's like a full-on technique. It's not easy. Yeah. So they, they showed you how to throw playing cards. So I, that's what I, I learned it from books because everything I learned was from books. How good of an aim do you have with that thing? You can get pretty good aim, but when the wind comes, you get a different factor. Mm. So if you're in a close space, you know, and I'm, you mentioned, I forgot the other guy's name from uh, New Zealand who has a... Oh, um, hard, hard, hard ninja. Hard ninja. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same speed as throwing into a thing. In fact, uh, what's the guy name who died recently? Who wrote the book, um, Cars as Weapons. Uh, I forget his name now. Hmm. But he's a magician. Um, okay. It'll probably come to me. So I think we all read that book back in time. And so... Uh, so you've been throwing cards since you were in school. So I was 14, yeah. But then all of a sudden I was in, in San Francisco. Right. And Jeff was throwing cards because he was just trying to do the street as well. But he is a polished act from broken restaurants. Right. And in order to get a crowd, we'd throw playing cards on top of the building across the street. Across the street. And people would watch it. And he knew this. He knew they were fascinated because he used to do it outside of U City Bank in Aspen. Right. And people would watch it. Right. So he knew they were fascinated with it. I didn't know they were because I was only throwing cards inside of a gym studio when it was break. Then there's no one there. Yeah, nobody was there, so I didn't know anybody was fascinated with it. So when did it occur to you to, like, it wasn't obviously your finale right away, right? No, it wasn't. In fact, that's when I realized that people were interested. It was when, so we were all throwing playing cards across the street, even just for the fun of it. And, uh, but we all did it in our shows as well. Right. But then I read, there's a book, some magician, Ken, uh, Trevor Lewis, maybe, but I'm not sure it was Trevor Lewis. Uh, it's a magician who wrote mm -hmm. the book, and he said, you should end with skill. Right. And so I said, oh, well, then I'll put the card throw at the end. Nice. And the light bulb went off, and it just, yeah. it, that was it. That's your signature move. Yeah, so it ended up, and so that, that from that point on, I was just throwing cards on top of I think my favorite part of that whole act is when you throw the first one, and it doesn't go, mm -hmm. and you pretend like it went. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, that's so hilarious. I can't stop laughing whenever you do that. Because you just, like, you pretend you're seeing yeah. it, and then you're like, yep. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant, man. I miss watching you, man. Uh -huh. It's been so long. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's where I learned it. I mean, that's where I developed uh, the finale. And also the, the square. I got the square from... Because I was at a magic convention, and... Um, in San Francisco when I was performing. This has been like mathematic trick? Yeah, yeah. And um, Harry Lorraine, which you don't know because you weren't even born back Probably not. Back in the day, there used to be a guy, there's another magician uh, on television named Harry Lorraine who specialized in memory. Right. And he would memorize, um, like on television, he would name everybody in the audience on like one of those TV shows. Right. right. And, and they would sit down so he would memorize the whole yeah, yeah. but he also he wrote a, a magic newsletter on, mm. uh, and he would talk about the square 
And I was like, oh, it's mathematics. People are going to bring stuff. And right, that. right. But at the magic convention, he did a square. And it was, and and he didn't do it the same way as I did. He just has put some numbers on, and then had somebody yell out a number, and he filled it up really quickly. Mm-hmm. And his energy was so like, wow. And then so from that point on, I started learning that and put it in my show. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's getting the people. It's a weird effect because it fucks with people when that first get in, they would look at it, and then they would walk off. Right. So how do you get them to stick around? Right, right. Because it fucks. It, um, there's a cognitive, it's called cognitive dissonance when it's like just messing with you so much. And that's, right. you get that more with magic. And that's mm-hmm. the biggest problem with <clears throat> doing street with magic is that they can't deal with it. They mm-hmm. have to re- react. They want to know what, how you did it. Yeah, yeah, they don't. Sometimes they just can't. They're like, oh. Yeah, I get yeah. it does, doesn't result in yeah. applause. Yeah, what's the way chucking a Diablo up in the air. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> when they know what's going on, but they appreciate yeah. it. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. You finish your magic trick, people just like, Bleh. and that's the biggest aspect of, uh, yeah. yeah. Like Charlie Caper is not humorous, but he's very likable. Oh, yeah. And he does really strong magic. Mm. And because they like the person and they like the thing, and that's mm. the whole thing. You are, everybody who does street performing knows you got to make them like you. That's what they're giving you money for. They like that person. They like you. They don't care what you do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Up in uh, Seattle, I ran across... Most people don't even know this guy. Uh, Reverend Chumley. You ever heard of that name before? No. Uh, Brilliant. He was a wordsmith, which is uh, in a time when most of them, you know, just doing the jokes with the... He wasn't a juggler. He was just a wordsmith. He was like talk and his... Storyteller kind of thing? No, no. It was like brilliant, over-your-head type... Uh, sophisticated comedy hmm. and uh, I think he's still alive but he lives in Port Townsend or something. I can't remember really. he's still alive though, I think uh-huh. and he would um, and that's initially when I first got the idea he had a dog who would jump through a hoop of fire yeah and with a big hoop obviously right and so put, a, put an animal in your act it's yeah, it was crowd building. You'll never even for, for, like yeah, forget yeah. about but it's, learning how to crowd. And I didn't even see him on the street. I saw him at some like harvest festival or something like right. that. And uh, and he did it. But it was brilliant. His humor was so was so sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And so and he was like everything was original and everything was just beautifully written. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's when I got the idea of having my. Uh, Bird jumps with a fire. Right. Yeah. So, so this is a uh, this is the same bird that you had, or is it a different bird? Uh, it was my original bird. Yeah. It was. And what kind of bird is it? A peach-faced love bird. Yeah. How long did you have him for? Um, the original one, I can't remember, but he he got he got killed in in a speech, and then I got another one. Um, who is this I had the, the one that got time. taken from your show? Yeah, the last one, the one in San Diego, the one I had the longest goal. Yeah. Uh, and he got that bird came down. Uh, he got abducted seagull by another came down bird. Oh my God! Yeah, in San Diego. This was after I had left San Diego and been up in San Francisco for a while. Right. I decided decided. Because I worry about um, bird taking my dog, you know, and I think how horrible that would be. Yeah, that had to be a pretty big, uh, pretty big dog, a pretty big bird, and a pretty. Hip. Hungry, yeah. hungry one. I've got a pretty small dog, but yeah. yeah, no. I mean, a friend of mine. It was when I first showed up in. I've heard it's a thing. What's that? I've heard it's a thing, but yeah. it's taking small dogs. 
They, a big bird can take a small dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. like, I'd be heartbroken and see my dog fly away. I didn't believe it when it happened to me. Right. I was in disbelief. It you took me saw about an it hour. Happen? Yeah. It happened? But I was in disbelief because I couldn't believe it because I didn't think uh, uh, seagulls ate birds and I was in disbelief and they do. The raptors. Just came down and took him. Yeah, and that's what happened in uh, San Diego. And then, uh, so you had to change the show, obviously. Uh, when that happened, uh, yeah, for the main, main part, I was living in, uh, uh, I was just visiting San Diego at the time it happened. So for the main part, I was in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't perform for six months after that. Oh, wow. I couldn't, I tried, I couldn't perform. Yeah, no, it's understandable, man. So I didn't perform. Your pets are your best friends, you know? Yeah, that was, that was it. That was... And uh, we had been to all over, I mean, all over the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to sneak them into, before 9 11, I used to sneak them into uh, Canada. Oh, yeah. There was so much restriction from America coming back. You had to go to see a special, we had to have all these permits and stuff. So it was harder to go and come back than it was to go up. It was, yeah. Okay. And after a while, I was screw it, I'll just sneak them in. Uh. And I used to stick them in pocket, like a vest. And zip them up, and right? Catch hop a plane because before you didn't have to take off your vest and show. Yeah. Before nine eleven, you had to pick out your vest. So you just the, jump uh, on the plane with your jacket on. Yeah, and pocket. even if you yeah, if you zip it up, it's dark. You won't do it. Even if you did do it, chirped. Yeah. They wouldn't associate it with the bird. No. You know, and it was you know. So yeah. Wow. And well, so you went to Canada. Where'd you work in Canada? Yeah, I, went, I was doing a couple of festivals. I did a. Um, White Horse and did a, the Vancouver Comedy Festival mm. and um, Whistler I did I think it did Whistler as well yeah they used to have a good street scene up there yeah it was okay it was alright it was yeah. just something you know how they string string festivals together mm-hmm. but I didn't do it much because the 9-11 happened and my bird got killed and right that thing so it really changed 9-11 changed everything anyway so I must have met you in around 2000 yeah, in, uh, in Boulder. Boulder. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, in Boulder, then it was uh, you and Zipco Man and Bashi and Isak and Tom. Yeah, Tom, Tom Morrison was there. Yeah, Tom probably was a big act then. Right, right. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, but there were bigger. I mean, Ear Jazz used to work there. Right. And used to come out and do shows every once in a while. But when they came out, they were already you know Ear Jazz is, don't you? Nope. Uh, Air Jazz was uh, like three uh, Peter Davis and John Held and uh, Keziah uh, Tenenbaum, I think that's her name. And they're brilliant. They were like the uh, Raspinis, you know the Raspinis? Yeah. So they, were, they weren't like the Raspinis, they were like a team act like the Raspinis right. or, or um, the ones that used to work at um, Karamatsovs. All right, but they were more dance oriented. Okay, and so they weren't. Wasn't like the high end juggling. They were high end. They juggling. were. They were okay. higher end juggling than uh, probably both of those right. other acts. Yeah, they were definitely higher than both uh-huh. of those other acts. Nice. Um, they would come down and rip out shows down there. Yeah, but they were on. So they were celebrities because they were on the Tonight Show a few times. Right. And they used to tour all over the world. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they're no longer together now, but. Uh, and uh, I wonder but, what street performing would be like if you had a little bit of celebrity. 
Well, the, they people were waiting because they, they the buzz knew so yeah. people were sitting waiting for them to rock. Mm-hmm. It wasn't right. They only came because they used to tour, yeah. so they only came down and they would say, "Oh yeah, we'll be down," and so there would be people waiting. Yeah, that's cool. Knowing that buzz, they were and they were brilliant, brilliant. They were brilliant. Nice. Um, was well, could you use an amp back then, or was it always no amps? No, you can use. They couldn't use an amp. Uh, unless it was a special festival, so no mm-hmm. boulders has always not been in that place. I went a couple of years without getting an amp in, in the beginning, uh, and I don't know. Just we didn't just we just didn't have them in uh-huh. Sydney. You know, it was pretty. It was in Canada when I noticed people had amps. And David Aiken was like, "Why don't you have an amp with a microphone?" And I was like, "I don't know." Yeah, because you weren't you didn't have that reference to it. Yeah. And yeah, San Diego didn't have an amp. Uh, mm-hmm. Bob Old Park, so you didn't have amps there. You don't have you, and you didn't have amps in um, Boulder. When we started in San Francisco, we didn't have we didn't we weren't using amps. So. No, well, you kind of didn't need them. Well, you could the, just bellow over the best whatever voices. Noise was. I never had a good voice, but the best voices, like Tom, had a brilliant. So that yeah, he had a brilliant. It was like the Sergeant Carter of street performance. Yeah. <laughs> when he first arrived, you uh, you probably experienced it. Yeah, because you saw him down in. Uh, I met him in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he basically told people what to do, and they did it. And he didn't. And what? And I learned. I knew other performers learned what he. He didn't go any much for, forward. Mm-hmm. He told them what to do, and he waited until he did it. Then he moved forward. Yeah. Told them what to do. Waited until he did it. Then he moved forward. Yeah. So basically, they were. Followed by the time he told him that to give him money, give him money. They were giving him money. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he was training him. Yeah, and his background was in sales. So. Right. But he was very aggressive. They didn't like him in Boulder too much. I mean, the local, the the powers that be didn't like him, but oh, the audiences tend to like him, or some people didn't, but whatever. Yeah. But he was successful. So uh, yeah, he was there, but before him there was uh, Jimmy Strinka who uh, was all original lines, very technical. Yeah. Um, he's uh, he's in stock market now. And hmm. He was playing stocks. Yeah, right. And learned it, and then he was really, he's really good at that. He's married to uh, one of the, uh, Kaziah, who's one hmm. of the ear jazz people. So what would you like, uh, what would your year look like? You, you would stay in Boulder in the summer? or Yeah, about that time I was doing Boulder in the summertime and going to San Diego in the winter. Right. But San Diego, once again, is only a two-day pitch. Mm-hmm. So I would, it was interesting in that respect because you could you were forced to only work two days. Right. And even those two days could be questionable because it wasn't the busiest pitch. You, yeah. could, you could almost miss it. Right. You could have your, you know, you got to eat after you, you ride the waves. You get a sense. Yeah. You get a sense of, oh, this is good right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do it enough times, you're smell. like, oh, this is good now. I better yeah. do it now. You want to push right everybody else. You want it to be your turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that from San Francisco. You're like, whoa, this sucks. I don't know what this is, but yeah. you feel it. Yeah. I know that from surfing because I grew up surfing. Uh-huh. And it's the same as a, wave, a good wave coming. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can just see it. You can smell it. You can see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, now is the time to open my mouth. And yeah, I know. Sometimes it's after, I remember me and the bike boy were down in Queenstown. And, mm-hmm. and then the weather was bad. Because the weather can be really bad in Queenstown. But once it clears up, you know, you want to be at that first show. First show. That's the one. And, and getting after down the rain. Like, and him beating me to the 
bit meters. Fuck. Ah, yeah. Can he does an hour? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, jeez. Or you know, sometimes it's, that's all you get. Right. Because the weather, that's all you get is that slot. You want to catch that slot, mm-hmm. and then it might turn bad on you, too. So when did you start going to, like, New Zealand and Australia? Um, let's see. Um, after my bird got killed. Mm. And uh, after uh, I got married, and then uh, that didn't work out, so I just started mm-hmm. traveling. Right. And went to Australia. I think I went to, did I go to Australia first? I think the first place I went to was Australia. Yeah. In fact, I met uh, Nick Nicholas, and when I first started performing, I met him in San Francisco. Oh, right, right. And he uh, came up and gave me a, tried to give me a hug or something like that. And my bird could be anywhere. Right. So something would be down on my shirt. Yeah. And I was like, God, don't just. Uh, I got a bird. I got a bird. Yeah, yeah right. that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy guy. Yeah. And. Uh, when he when he when I met him the next time I after years of uh, saw him he'd been in San Francisco a few times but after years of seeing him in San Francisco uh, or coming him coming to San Francisco every once in a while after that I went to uh, Melbourne actually I went to Sydney then I came down to Melbourne yeah so I didn't even I just didn't even perform in Sydney I just went down to Melbourne and uh, and then I saw him again he reminded me of that story right so yeah so he didn't give you a hug that time? Well, yeah, I think maybe that was because he wouldn't know if I'm a bird would get killed. Right, right. So I did Melbourne first. And then I asked him about... Uh, well, Melbourne always had a lot of performers, you know, mm-hmm. how it goes. Um, yeah. Did Melbourne, and then I went over to Perth. Did Perth and met... Um, Fremantle or the Murray Street? Perth and Fremantle was, you know, the same crew. It was on work, both of them. Yeah. Fremantle on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Matty Matty Blade was Matty obviously Blade. there with his bringing on his boat. Yeah, he passed away. Yeah, no, I know. It was sad. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He was an interesting. Person. I liked him. I yeah. liked him, but uh, yeah, he's rubbed people the wrong way. But you know, he's generally yeah. a pretty nice guy too. Yeah, we got along, and he, he uh, uh, maybe he's not 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 wasn't the best performer overall, but. And everything he did was closers, but you know, yeah, mighty play. Right, right. He's, there's no, it's like there's no Tom, Tom Morrison. There's no mighty play. There's, right. there's a, they break the mode after those two. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, some people don't like him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, geez, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew him when he was St. Matthew. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Because he said he was dating uh, some girl. I forget the contortionist. I forget. No, he was dating this girl, and then she became a contortionist. I forgot her name now. She was in Ronnie for a while. Ronnie, that's right. Yeah. When before, when she, when she was like... Years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she was young, yeah. I didn't even know that until I met her later. Um, but I didn't know him. Uh, yeah. So he was there. Who else was there at the time? I don't remember who else was there. I know he was there. Oh, uh, Scotty. Uh, Scott. Scott Chocolate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was there. And a few other people. And you were uh, you just working that that same week during the weekdays in Perth, and then yeah. on a Fremantle on the weekends. Beautiful so spot, eh? Yeah, that was nice. The Fremantle spot was nice. Yeah. Perth was a. I mean, that's a city struggle. you can live in and street perform. Yeah, yeah, a great beach make too. A living, you know, and, and I'm not a beach coming. person, but it was a great. Oh, even Perth had a great beach. The west coast way. of Australia is amazing. Yeah, yeah, you got, and that's the thing because you know you hear about the Aborigines, but. When I went on the, initially flew into uh, Sydney and Melbourne and you didn't see anybody. No. 
But when you got to the Perth, you start seeing it's not like not like the outback, but you know you got to see the city made it through. Yeah, right? yeah, and see that, and also the uh, I didn't when I first got in the mud. When I remember, why am I getting sunburned? I never get sunburned. <laughs> oh, holding the ozone line? exactly. Yeah, but like I better start wearing a hat. Welcome to Australia. Yeah, it's sunburn. And then the flies. Mm. Yeah, well, we invented the hat that has corks on it. I know, yeah. You shake your head and the corks yeah, make yeah, the flavor. Because yeah. you can have a hundred flies on you at the one time uh-huh. walking around certain places. I found out why that happens. Do you know why that happens? Why no. the flies? No. Well, the reason why they come to the city is because of the, the wind brings them in from the farms. Okay. But the reason why they get on you is not the small, the big flies don't do that. It's the small flies because they don't have enough protein. Right. So they're going after saliva in their blood to get the protein. Wow. So that's why it's only the small flies that do that. That's why right. I was like curious and looked it up. So yeah. what's going on with these flies? <laughs> the Aussie wave. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's always just yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so you went to Perth, you went to Melbourne, Sydney, anywhere else in Australia? Yeah, Perth, Melbourne, and I, did I go that year to, I didn't go to Adelaide that year. No, but I did end up going to Adelaide uh, later on. I don't think that year I went to, maybe I did, but I can't remember. Mm. But I had gone, then I came back a couple more times. And you went uh, to New Zealand? Yeah, then I went to New Zealand. And I, but I went, and my initial going to New Zealand was through, uh, the Auckland Festival. All right. Yeah, I think that, yeah. So I went, did the Auckland Festival and worked my way down. I did the first Auckland Festival and then I did it again uh-huh. 20 years later. Okay. Because <laughs> the first one was so bad. I, <laughs> I think I might. It did get better, but not much. Was that when Nick was booking him? Or Nick, yeah, him? back in the beginning, yeah. Yeah, Nick I think Nick. that was, yeah. I might have did the second or third when I came. Right. Yeah. It got me in the, you know, got me in the, New Zealand, and then I went mm. my way down yeah. and got this. So that was, I went in, I've never been to north of, north of Auckland, but I, I went down to, uh, so I went down, did, down to uh, Wellington, is it Wellington? Mm-hmm. Wellington. Lindsay Wellington, yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, did the, did you actually have trouble with your car and the wind down there? Or? It wasn't the car, it was a problem. It was chase, I've never chased my hat more times in my entire life than, and oh, I'm glad I had on. Yeah, we're always blown off. Yeah, you're always chasing your hat. Oh, wow. You find out if anybody has an umbrella or not from Wellington. Unless <laughs> you just destroy your album. But it's because uh, you never know where it comes in so many different directions. I always hate flying into Wellington. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, you got to be a good pilot. Good pilot, yeah, because there's a mountain there and the runway's short. Yeah. So once you get over the mountain, you got to descend real quick and then stop before the end of the runway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's windy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, yeah, we did that. Um, I went to Wellington, did Wellington for a little bit. Um, hmm. Not the best place, but you know, got well, to see some of the malls. Manor's Mall and Cuba Street Mall back then, right? The yeah, one, I, I think Manor's open now. Yeah, it's just cars again. Yeah, I heard they changed it. Uh, yeah, but Cuba, you can still do Cuba Street. Yeah, and I don't know how many people work it, but it wasn't. It, when I went back there again, it was less in all the alcoholics said mm. it's the whole thing is that people you know if you don't work the spot the alcoholics will take over the spot yeah, they'll just yeah. take it over yeah absolutely and they'll uh, they get we got they wanted to beat me up because so um, yeah. so when did you get uh, you got then I went to Christchurch so that year I went to Christ, I never went to 
I went to Christchurch and went to Christchurch right. and I met uh, I don't know who I met down in Christchurch at that time were you down there when the festival happened at all? I wasn't there doing the festival no I, I, it was because first of all back in that time if you got booked for the uh, she wanted was it Jody? Uh-huh. she wanted to be the first one to bring you over anyway and she right. never booked me she never gave me time of day so whatever right but uh, so I never I never got that festival and uh, that's when it was good you were in Cathedral Square and Castle Street yeah uh, yeah the main one by the cathedral yeah yeah, nice that's a brilliant spot yeah it was nice and what's the name Brucey used to mm-hmm. drive I remember him driving up and sleeping on the pitch just to be the first <laughs> one with his car you could do that I guess at the time yeah yeah. He's sleeping on the pitch with right. his car so he could have it be the first one yeah and, no, uh, that's oh, a yeah, street performing uh, tradition. The two, uh, it was a, they were a team act back then. Uh, yeah, Mullet Man, Mullet and David. Yeah, yeah. So they were there. Motley too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were doing it. I wonder who else was doing it at the time. That's cool. Uh, what's the name was there? Get rid here. Shay Hooray. Shay, yeah, yeah. And I first met Shay and uh, he's Mullet a businessman, is he? Yeah, he always seems to be. <laughs> he was even making deals back in the day. So. Yeah, yeah, he always seems to be like good at his business thing. Yeah, he he's a top bloke. Ah, yeah, yes. he seems to be good at smooching and stuff like that. So. <laughs> nice That's guy, funny. and he's got the rubber band thing, and he had all those characters. So he's already yeah. he's great festival act because, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because he he could always he was one of those people that could always cater to whatever your needs were. Yeah. Always something different, always something unique. Yeah, you want it, I'll do it. Yeah, and there's some other people there I can't remember. But. So you got uh, you got the boot from New Zealand somehow, or you just didn't get let in? Or yeah, well, I was working in Queens. I didn't start going that year. I looked at you looked at this thing in Queenstown. I didn't make it to Queenstown because it looked like it was raining. But you know, Queenstown and the weather—you never know. And then when I finally did go to Queenstown, um, oh, it was me and. Um, Another guy from England. What was his name? Uh, Max Fire. He was a, a juggler in a, a bicycle act. Oh, right, right. Hardcore, because he used to camp out and come down. Right. And he, uh, it was me and him. But if you've, you've been to Queenstown? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a pitch, it's a pitch where, you know, if there's more than three people, yeah, it's somebody's not working. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's only a certain amount of time. Yeah, it's a time thing, and there's somebody's mm-hmm. not working. And I used to work during the day, and then work at night in the day. And there, it's a small town, and they have a small town mentality about that place. And a lot of the the uh, boat people that are out in front and stuff mm-hmm. like that don't like the performers. Stuff. Right, right. A weird energy about it. But it's the great when you're doing the shows. It's a, it's a brilliant really? place. Uh, yeah, the work. I mean the uh, the old uh, street performer versus vendor thing. That's that's going to happen forever. Yeah, I'm blocking my store. I'm bringing people here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's just it's, yeah. it's the clash. It's mm-hmm. the fight. It's never ending. Yeah. Anywhere you go. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them. Are There's no answer. Yeah, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that was the initial thing in. Uh, Clearwater sometime and then they figured well let's maybe let's see if we can make this work yeah but uh yeah and, uh, yeah classic even the festivals if you get a you know sometimes you do a renegade street festival mm-hmm. 
and the people next to you, like, oh, no, it's ruinous because they're trying to sell their thing. Right. So, I paid for this booth. Yeah, that yeah. type of thing. When You're you right. look for a spot, you need a building across the street. I look for a building, yeah. Uh, for that, now, I, I think I told you I'm uh, working on a silent show, yeah. which doesn't in turn uh, a uh, building or even throwing a playing card. Mm. Because there's an interesting thing about the square, which is a mathematical thing, and throwing a playing card is a square is is on a, such a weird energy thing that so it's actually sometimes it's not a good thing to throw a playing card because you turn into monkey boy because <laughs> you just did this thing that they're like totally screwed up on and then you follow it with throwing a playing card right it sort of diminishes what you just did right because you're just well I mean it is a playing card uh-huh. which is a magician's tool yeah so it's it fits Perfect. No, I, I... But it's just like, oh, my God, look at this, look at this guy. You're not a huge dude, you know? You're just yeah, a, yeah. a medium-sized dude who can chuck a playing card, like, yeah. way the fuck over there. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But it... Sometimes it doesn't... It's a weird... You end with... I, I've, sometimes I've done it without the play. So it's sometimes money-wise, I might be losing sometimes money... Like throwing a playing card is throwing a playing card, but the presentation, I do like a lot of times it's 15 minutes with of throwing the playing card yeah. or doing that. Oh, yeah. So it's that presentation that makes it yeah. work. It's not just, I can, I can throw a play. Sometimes if I don't like the show and I just want to end it, and I told them that, I'll just throw it on top of the building and just, okay, show's over. Uh, right. And, and what if, like, what if there's, like, could you do a finale that, um, if you if you can't do the playing card, uh, I've done it in places which is a finale is a square. Right. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I'm going silent and and clone uh, work everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so the square is not a good effect for everywhere because yeah. still you got to talk. It's wordy. So um, you're gonna go. You're gonna go to Southeast Asia. Yeah. To learn how to, to do a show. Try to silence. make it silent. Yeah. Wow, that's cool, man. And do it that way. Um, but yeah, the square does work in uh, places. If you, especially if you build it up, it's like you, you throw it, which is where you put the hat pitch. Yeah. So you put it right before the finale of the square. Yeah. Like you do the square, then you like build it up, and then mm-hmm. the response to the square is they give money. Yeah. Because you're like, oh fuck, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So it's a different thing, but. Uh, I worked, uh, what is it, the Street Performing Championship in Dublin. Oh, you did? Yeah, and that's in a park. Where you, oh, it's in a park, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, part of it is because they had the perimeter, too. So was, uh-huh. when I was getting booked, when I was scheduled for the perimeter, I would throw it on top of buildings. Yeah, yeah. Or windows. Uh, windows are interesting, especially if there are people in it. Because then you get that Can whole... you throw it in the window? Yeah, so you throw it through the window. Whoa, I mean, that's good aim, man. Yeah, well, it takes a while because you never know the wind's going up. Yeah. But you can get that interaction with the person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's wow, that's cool. And if you're not there... I can imagine the applause if, like, if you did it down, like, throwing 10 cards and all of a sudden they catch one. Yeah, yeah, they do that. Oh, yeah, it happens. Gosh. Yeah, it happens. The audience just go crazy. Yeah, sometimes that happens in other places, too. I mean, yeah, so sometimes they're throwing in windows. Yeah. And then people, and if they're a good at humor, they'll bring out, hey, <laughs> they'll open oh, your mouth, you know. That's cool. Thing. So what did uh, you do in the park? I brought a, a pole with a, a net on it. <laughs> oh, okay. 30-foot pole <laughs> with a net on it. Right. That's the biggest crowd I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. Was at the, at Champ- and, and I realized that 
the pole. It's like being on a pole without being on a pole because you have no, you have, you have eye candy. Because yeah. you know you got you got eye candy. A lot of jugglers have eye candy. So you would throw the card and then catch it with the net on a. Somebody pole. would be holding the pole. Someone would be holding it. So and the net's on the top of the pole. Right. So I'm throwing it up into this thirty foot oh, right. pole. How wide was the opening? Um, I don't know. Uh, like a, a big hula hoop okay, size. Hula yeah. hoop size. Okay. Still difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, about the smaller than the window, or about the size of the window, or something right, like that. Right. Yeah, that was the biggest crowd I've had, and then that's when I, and in the back of my mind, that's I'm thinking, well, that's I can still, and that's that's another. It's not the silent show, but it's a talking show where I'm thinking. How can I? Because like the audiences are changing, you got to change the audience. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, the advantage of uh, the the juggling shows that they they do bring out, you know, even jugglers. Robert Nelson had the little unicycle, but now everybody's they started yeah, higher and higher, six foot, and then uh, started twenty two. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Chad, Chuck was doing a twenty two before everybody was going. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Uh, Man, no one's still no one. I mean, nobody does twenty-two because you, you had to be mad to do it. It's rare that you see even a twelve. No, you had to be mad to do it. He fell from that. Oh man! Yeah, he fell from that. He didn't do it for years. And then when he was trying to get back into it, uh, he because that twenty-two foot unicycle, those Tom Millers, yeah, broke down to a sixteen footer. Right. Yeah. And so when he was getting his guts up to do the sixteen, because he had a. Uh, well, let me give it a try. So I hopped up on the 16-footer. And I can ride a unicycle. I, that's the first thing I learned as a kid. Oh, so I can ride a unicycle. Can you ride a 16-foot unicycle? I can't idle. And so I got up on air. You ride around on it? Me? No, I didn't. I was uh, like, I'm getting it out. <laughs> that's funny. Chad got a whole uh, uh -huh. hold of a 13-foot unicycle once. Uh -huh. And it didn't look sturdy. And, and, he, and he got up in front of my house. On a, holding onto a tree, uh -huh. and he's like, "I'm not letting go of the tree, bro. <laughs> I'm climbing down." Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Mark Riggs was doing a show in Boulder, and back in that time, uh, like when I met you, you were up at the top, and I was uh -huh. down the bottom. Uh -huh. So he was down the bottom, I was at the top. I think that's what it was. Yeah, because you, you bounce off of each other. Yeah. And. Um, I had a group of guys go down and steal his unicycle, his 12-foot or whatever it is, right. and bring it up with me. And I, they held it and I climbed up. <laughs> but I'm not used to, first of all, I can't idle. Yeah. Second, and, and, um, second of all, you got to know, you got to train your people. Mm -hmm. And I was, once I got up there, I was like, fuck me, because mm -hmm. these guys don't yeah. know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. And I didn't know how to train them. Mm. Yeah, I was so glad that he came up and grabbed that use. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Wow. Just playing around. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I was only 16, but I never wrote. So. Damn. But yeah, Chuck's back on the 22, or he's still, he got his Curtis back up. He actually sold it for like nothing, like $800. I would have bought it if I'd have known that. Oh my God. Wow. Then he had to buy it back for like two grand or something. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. And uh, but, but you said, uh, uh, yeah, you got uh, banned from New Zealand and Australia? Yeah, yeah. So I had been doing um, Australia, uh, New Zealand, like a month or two in New Zealand mm. for a few years. And uh, there was one point, though, uh, me and uh, 
was there at the time? It was me. Uh, this is Queenstown I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. Me, uh, Bruce, mm-hmm. uh, which is Gonzo the Great, and uh, the guy from England, uh, Rob? Max Fire. Oh, Max Fire. I think Rob was there too. Rob Roy? If it wasn't Rob, no, it was. Uh, what's the other guy that got banned from uh, San Francisco? Akron. Akron, but what's his brother's name? Piper. Piper was there oh, at the time. So cool. it was, uh, at least those four. It was right. me, uh, Bruce, Piper, and uh, Max Fire. Yeah, okay, you're not, you guys can't work. you got to work over here. You can't work. We're not giving out. And um, so that year, well, first of all, me and Bruce were, every, the other ones left, Piper mm-hmm. left. And, uh, uh, but it was just me and Bruce there. And we were trying to talk to them and get what's going on and stuff like that. Shutting the pitch down. Yeah, so what's going on and then um and Bruce was taking a paragliding course. Right. And uh, right at that time he on his final landing he broke his leg. Ah. And so he was uh, so well I, I we were gonna go to the paper and say, hey, what's like bring this to the paper. Yeah, yeah. So the day I left I was on the front page of the paper. Right. Like going back to uh, Christchurch and Bruce was stuck there, couldn't pay his um, his accommodations because he couldn't. And, it, and from later on, I heard that he was he went out with a broken leg and tried to do shows, still doing shows. Mm. So I stayed away from uh, Queenstown for a year and did Hobart. Right. Uh, that year. Yeah, selling like a market. Then I just checked to see what's going on. And I saw Bike Boy, some video of Bike Boy in Queenstown. So fuck, must be open. Right. So I went back. So you went back. So I went back and I did a uh, couple of years and then um, I was working on a new show. A friend of mine, oh, you had, yeah, you asked what did I replace the bird with? And I started doing a rope routine. Okay. A comedy, some, another very rope routine, filling that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and a friend of mine in Boulder wanted me, he didn't, couldn't figure out how to do it or he wasn't good at it. He said, I'll trade you that for this other thumb tie which is thumb ties where you tie your thumbs up and mm-hmm. penetrate uh, things so he taught me that and I taught him the rope thing but I didn't want to do it exactly like he did mm-hmm. so I was working on a different thing I wanted to put people in handcuffs two people volunteers in handcuffs and then penetrate their right. thing so that's what I was going to practice that and do this now and do it um, but in retrospect you bring two sets of handcuffs in in your luggage, it comes up on the x-ray. Ooh. So they pulled you aside. So they pulled. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the, I think it's the handcuffs that, it was not, the fact that I was showing up that time of year all the time, yeah. plus when they, they gave, that gave them more reason to pull okay. me aside because I had two sets of handcuffs right. in my thing and then they opened it up and see all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And they what are you doing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my biggest problem was that I didn't have a, a stage name. Mm, so I used my name. name. Yeah. So when they emailed, I mean, when they Google, which you can do now, yeah. all of a sudden there's me even, you know, articles and stuff. Yeah. And so I got, uh, so they put me in uh, jail for a day and mm, sent yeah. me back to L.A. And you're, you're, how long is your band? I don't know if it's a, I mean, I think I'm flagged. You're so flagged. Band is, I mean, if I had a gig... Yeah, I can come yeah, in yeah. on that gig, yeah. but I can't just say I'm coming in the tour season. Right, right. I mean, maybe there is. I don't know the band. I don't know how that works. We've let them talk to them. 
I was, I was still playing. I never confessed. I never. Right. You know, I, I don't confess. Yeah. Because I played that game in England before too. Come on, I don't know. we're playing chicken. I'm not saying shit. Yeah. And then even in England, I don't want to come in through Heathrow anymore. Come right. through, uh, I'll come in either come into Edinburgh for the, the festival. Yeah. Or I'll come in Dublin and take the ferry across. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, England can be a pain in the ass. Yeah. And I, I was actually watching a. Uh, it might have been in, in Australia. There was a TV show with a. So I saw there was used to be a TV show on uh, talking about uh, things you would see live people getting searched in England and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Custom. Yeah. Uh, Border patrol. Border patrol. Yeah, yeah type yeah. of thing. And, it's, and they were the real customs people that were on the TV show. Yeah. And so I, the guy who. Me and him played chicken pool. Who's one of the guys that was on the TV show? Right. Yeah. But he let me in. But after that, I was like, nah, yeah. Kinda, unless I have a like a legitimate yeah. thing, I'm not coming to England. I just, I just went through. Uh, yeah, it sucks with the internet these days, mate. They just Google you and they find things, and it's like, yeah, you're a street performer. And Australia's notorious for it, turning uh-huh. away street performers in England as well. Yeah. And uh, I got turned away from the US. Yeah, I heard about that. And, uh, you know, luckily I was engaged already to an American, but I still had to go back to Australia yeah. and go through the application there, which, you know, they didn't took months. Jail for a day, did no, I was, I was, I was, um, I was definitely under arrest uh-huh. and put in a, you know, interrogation room or okay. whatever. Um, they but on a flight. Don't let me go. Oh, they let you go in? Not, not in. No, no, they let me Turn me back to Canada. I was I was coming down from Canada. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the same deal. They googled me, found a, a clipping of me yeah. doing a, like a, a show at Fanny Hall. Best advice for those people listening is uh, erase yourself from the internet. Get your stage name first of all. <laughs> yeah, get a stage name. Yeah, yeah. Call yourself Gaza. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you asked me earlier who my favorite performer is, uh-huh. and I think about it for a minute, and I think I, it's like, you know, it's it's got to be someone I can watch no matter no matter how many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two hundred yeah. times, and so I thought about that, and then I said Gaza uh-huh. because of that. So I can watch Gaza yeah, hundreds yeah. of times and still laugh my ass off. Yeah, I wouldn't laugh at Gaza, but I enjoy watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bob Hartman, the guy that you never saw, but he still is around, so if you get a chance to check him mm-hmm. out, uh, I can watch him over and over again. Is he your favorite performer? Uh, during the San Francisco time, he was, yeah. Right. At the San Francisco time, he's still one of my favorites. Right. Um, yeah. So he was definitely a street performer. Yeah, he might. He actually might be. And what's your favorite pitch? I'm still looking for that, yeah. Ah. Still searching for the perfect wave, huh? Yeah. How many countries have you been to? Jeez. Well, you know, when I first started, well, it was only Canada and, and uh, thing in, in Tijuana, as you would call it, <laughs> Mexico. You did shows in Tijuana? No, I didn't. No. I didn't. But uh, I tried all over all England, all over uh, at least uh, Western Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, Europe's cool because you can just kind of show up and do a show. You can, and that's yeah. nice. Yeah. I mean, I had. The place where you really wanted to work, Switzerland is is where the money is strong. Yeah, and Zurich was amazing, but they wouldn't allow me to right. do it. Where it used to be, I heard it in the heyday. It was in amazing. Switzerland, spot. there are rules, and you must follow the yeah, rules yeah, yeah. in Switzerland. Yeah. 
So the best thing in Switzerland, if you're going, uh, don't ask, let them tell you. I mean, other, there are other parts of the Zurich is the one where they're the rules. Other places, they're... A little bit lax. Yeah, I think you can get away with yeah. other places. But <laughs> Zurich, which is the best one you really want to go to, is the one... Uh, oh, there's that festival in the summertime that corresponds with uh, Edinburgh that happens at the same time, which is supposed to be a brilliant festival, which you can't... Oh, uh, spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. But other than outside yeah. of that, you can't... I mean... You can work there. You can work down where by the water, mm-hmm. but the, where you want to work is up on that where the festival uh, is. No, where the cobblestone uh, thing is, which is. I mean, that's the thing. You can work that festival, right? You can just people come up for that festival, but outside of that festival, you want to work the main right. pedestrian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't let you. Just mm. on it. And that, back in the day when Cellini, which I had never seen Cellini. I, I mean, I, I didn't see Cellini till. At least 15 years mm. I was into it before. I saw all those tunes, but I never saw them. Right, right. And then I had to see. Uh, well, Gazo didn't start releasing his stuff until. So I saw Gazo when I first went up to that comedy festival in uh, Vancouver. Right. Because I heard of his name, but I never right, saw Right, right. One of those guys who. Only so you're looking for the, your favorite pitch. What will it be? It'll be like. I suppose just you and one other person or that's the best scenario isn't it, is it you and another person you and one other it's great that's the best because you get a rest and you get somebody to watch your yeah. stuff yeah that's the best you scenario you get lots of shows yeah, yeah. scenario that's the scenario that you want um, and you want one that you don't can't stand it I mean there's a, some performers you just don't want to be around anyway <laughs> yeah yeah you want to be able to hang out with someone afterwards and go yeah you enjoy that person yeah you know yeah, that, that scenario is always good. Yeah, yeah. so it's, uh, it's crazy. Like, uh, everywhere you go, it's just you run into people you know. Uh-huh. Uh, being a busker, it's, I don't know, if, like, are musicians like that? Are comedians like that? I guess comedians are. They kind of know each other. Comedians sometimes, especially once you get your thing because you're on the road. Yeah, right. Um, and you mix up with... Because I've done... I was doing... Back in the heyday, I was doing comedy stuff and... Do you think comedians have the same kind of um, like open harem situation that street performers have? You know? Some of them do. Because we're so, here yeah. hanging out, staying at Bob's place. Yeah. You know, if someone comes to Boston, they come stay at my place. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's it's just kind of like, hey, uh, I'm going to be in what this city. Who lives there? Uh, hey, come and stay. You know? Yeah. It also it's depends kind of on worldwide the yeah. couch family. I'm cool. Yeah. But some people get out of it. I mean... Uh, like Nick Nick does the cruise ships now a lot I think yeah yeah I don't think he does much street yeah but I mean yeah it happens to everyone you just find a new thing the way you can do your act if you're a good businessman you do is that what you're saying Kenny you're not a good businessman yeah I think I think think a good street performer is a bad businessman right yeah (laughs) yeah but some you know some people like if you if the act's big enough then you can make the money and if you invest it well then it's a good thing mm-hmm. so I think if you invest it well and you bought the land right? yeah but that's I should have invested a long time ago you should have bought land in Boulder a long time ago yeah 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 absolutely finding that's the it's not the best pitch finding the best pitch it's finding the place where the land's gonna go mm-hmm. up and, well let me just say you said uh, that you were thinking about moving to New Hampshire right? yeah 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 well, Boston might just be your favorite pitch, mate. 
It might be. You never done it? No, I haven't done it. Haven't Crazy. Done it. Yeah. You live in this country and you perform all over it and never I considered off. it. Yeah. And I came through it and I came, worked up that. What's the other pitch? Harvard Square? Yeah, I went up there in the off season. It was terrible. Uh, <laughs> I didn't find out up in the off season. And I was totally committed on a terrible show. Right. And had a good time. It but, can be tough, yeah. Harvard Square. But I got to see it. I got to see a little bit of it. But I never, yeah. I was in a different space. I'm still in a different space. Mm-hmm. So I'm working on that silent show, see, see where that goes. Yeah. Well, Boston, Boston has a great pitch yeah. that's not, I mean, it's great sometimes. It's like any pitch, uh-huh. you know. But when it's great, it's great. And, um, and you get like, uh, you know, you got to do, you got to jump through the hoops. You got to get the license and have the insurance yeah, and all yeah. that. But we have a draw once a month uh-huh. and you choose your spots for the next month. And when you have a spot, it's two hours. And, uh, and we also have a magic pitch now. So this whole podcast is an advertisement. You're getting paid by... Right. Uh, yeah, oh, paying your whole to bring in. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. You're actually getting paid for this. Well, yeah. It's recruiting. This, this is a road trip that you're... Yeah, that's it. I'm looking for acts, <laughs> man. Can you do that? Yeah. But no, mate, that's the thing is uh, when, 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 you know, we have a, they have a guest performer um, policy now, which I never used to have, uh-huh. which is great because in the summertime... A lot of the Boston performers go to the Busker Fest, uh-huh. go to this, go there. Uh, and so there's a lot of space yeah, open yeah. in the summer. So they have like a guest performer thing in the summer now in Boston. So if you want to go and work in Boston, you can uh, you know, send your tape yeah, and yeah. audition and whatever. And, and then you can be in the draw. See what goes on there. Yeah. yeah but also, if you're moving there, if you're like... And you're close by. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a, that's a nice, nice place to be. Yeah. Shows. yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a cold place to live, but... So is New Hampshire. Yeah, so is New Hampshire. <laughs> but the thing is, Faneuil Hall is, it's a tourist destination. So the tourists are always there. And if it's middle of December and it's a bit, it's a nice day, uh-huh. they'll be there. Yeah, yeah. You know? So you can never tell. Like, there's not really a, there's a obviously there's a set season. It's April to yeah. op- end of October. But those other months, there's some random days. And yeah, just yeah. A magic Definitely not in January, but... <laughs> Gotta watch my fingers, so I mean, that stopped working at that time. Right, yeah, absolutely, yeah. The thing about magicians is your fingers stop. Yeah. So you're going to go to Southeast Asia, you're going to work on a silent act, and then and then, what's your goal for, for the silent act, just to be able to go to different countries? Yeah, I want to, you know, expand you because the silent's interesting. Um, yeah, to, to work different countries, work anywhere. Like where? There's no limitations. You can yeah. check out everywhere. See what, like, go all of South America, all of uh, whatever. There's so many South American buskers now. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Yeah, tons. In Europe. Oh, uh, yeah. Every festival, half the cast from South America. Is that right? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you mentioned one guy that you said you liked, the magician from South America or something. Yeah, um, Funny Quito. Okay. He has a really great silent street magic show and it's brilliant yeah one guy I met he's worked he's from Tijuana but he works in San Diego mm-hmm. yeah. I think music has a lot to do with it it's got to be something yeah. can't just be completely silent no know? but yeah that's true but mm-hmm. then you know you get people like Pepe and his prime yeah and so you, you definitely know that silent can work yeah completely silent totally and it's always that can you take something I mean 
the silent act that I'm playing and working on is to music. Mm-hmm. But it's always inspiring to watch people who work without. Mm. You know, no, you don't don't need an app, don't need anything. Just come out and do it. When did you get to see Pepe? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see him when it was prime. No? I saw him when they were arresting him every time he tried to perform. Ah, right. Yeah, but I've yeah. never met him. I mean, I've known him. I had seen him in the late 90s uh-huh. doing shows in London and in Edinburgh. And yeah, he was killing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was probably maybe four or five years after that. Uh-huh. The uh, downward spiral uh, started for Pepe. Yeah. Then he got banned from Covent Garden. He got banned from the Edinburgh draw. You know? Yeah. Feel, you know. But he doesn't need to change. Huh? He didn't change. No. No, the society changed. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be okay to be a drunk and be a performer. Just like, uh, and sleep all what's day the guy the uh, from Washington Square Park? Uh, Charlie Burnett. Oh, right. He was the same? No, I'm not saying he's the same, but a lot of the stuff that he did, if you saw his videos, I don't know if you've seen his videos, they wouldn't work now. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. They wouldn't work now. Nope. I mean, I'm sure... It, like I said, if he had developed, he had, his show would have developed differently. Mm-hmm. If he had started, you see, it would have been Charlie Burnett, probably the brilliant. Yeah. If he started now. Yeah. But back then, audience. Yeah, yeah. You work with what you have. Yeah. And back what then, people get, will accept. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that's the point. Is that uh, even even though I'm using music and a lot of the silent acts are using music or whatever, uh, music is not necessarily for silent act. A good silent act, just like doesn't need music yeah that's true and though it's nice to have an amplifier right in the right spot the initial like get the crowd kind of vibe still do a crowd building with music is a, a, a way to do it yeah yeah you know? yeah because crowd building silently without talking I mean yeah it can be done uh-huh. that's tough but you, you just grow because that's the whole point is what we do is, is still a lot of times we grow and then you know if it works and you don't want to, well, it's not broken, why change it? Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, like you say, you're still tweaking your you habit. Tweak you got to tweak it. Yeah. You know? I'm still looking for ways to, like, change jokes and yeah. put new jokes in and, and take this out uh-huh. and tweak that pitch. And, oh, what, what if I said this when the guy came out? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, just you got to keep it fresh for yourself. I find, even with, like, clothing, if I feel... Um, if I feel a little bored with my show, uh-huh. I'll get a new pair of shoes and I'll wear them to the pitch. And I'll oh, be like, I feel good in my new shoes. I'm going to do a rock and show today. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I've so never, weird. Never Just changing a little thing like your yeah. shoes. I've never been that. In that uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, the silent show that I'm, I plan on doing, I'm, I'm thinking of using a nose. Mm. And that'll be the biggest costume thing I've ever yeah, right. done. A red nose? Yeah. Is because it gives you a little bit more license and I don't have to, you don't have to. Somebody recently, right before I came here, I was saying to a friend, uh, and he said, you're so, and I was showing him some of the music I was thinking of using. And he says, mm-hmm. I don't think that fits your show. You should, you're like this street smart person. And I didn't get that view of myself. Mm-hmm. But that was his view, so it might be valid. I don't know. Um, and he said, oh, you should play hip-hop, which I wouldn't use. <laughs> I'm six years old and do hip-hop music. Yeah. Uh, but that's what he said. I don't know what his... Because uh, half the time people think I'm a 
uh, come up and you know people will come up and say shalom or something to me or right they think, think you're a Hasidic Jewish yeah, guy exactly, exactly yeah without the robe or? yeah I say where are you from I say uh, Pittsburgh no really where are you from Williamsburg <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you have any wise words for the street performing community or uh, the new street performing community the new generation yeah rein, rein, uh, save up and reinvest your money because that's if you get a, yeah yeah the smart ones uh, and there are some smart ones still put the money like Fred Anderson back in the day he bought a, a condo or something like in mm-hmm. San Francisco yeah and he was like wow so it's like now it's, that's he's like oh my God. I could never do that now he yeah. says and yeah it was a smart move yeah and Fred's done a lot of things back he was always the one uh, when video first came out. People were adding video for the promo. He was the one that first did it. Right. I mean, he was one of the ones that like he Made he adapted technology. Yeah. Right. And yeah, there's a few guys like that. Like Dom Ferry was that guy in Sydney. Mm-hmm. He could make the videos up in Boston. Uh, Jim Jim McComb was the guy that could make the videos up in Canada. It was Dave Lakin. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's yeah. always that guy. And Nick yeah. Nicholas was uh, figured it out bringing product because people like product they were they we moved into a it's kind of depressing but that's reality Mm -hmm. people want people want a product they you know they like your show but give them a product even gives them more reason so they're like oh yeah so uh, it helps especially uh, in in like festivals um, given that that little upsell Uh you know they might not have given you a 20 before but for a t-shirt exactly. or a DVD or a hat yeah and that's and they might have wow, given you a 20 but you know, it gives you more and, other, and more people that get by it other people and you know what I like I like I do I do hats right so I'm selling hats after shows mm-hmm. for a 20 um, what you know 20 by donation yeah. blah 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 it's just the way you word it um, and uh, people put them on their head right away uh-huh. and then walk over to the next show and then the next performer has to look at people wearing my exactly. hat, knowing that that person already gave me a 20. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, it's been good talking to you, mate. Yeah, yeah, you too. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. And there you have it. Once again, there will be a YouTube version of this podcast with a slideshow of photos provided by Kenny. There'll be a link to the video in the episode notes, and if you haven't already, subscribe to the Busker Hall of Fame YouTube channel. We're posting more interviews there in the coming months. I want to mention another podcast you should check out called Missed Management. It features vinyl burns trading voicemail messages with variety artists in hopes of booking them a gig. Each episode features a different performer. It's a behind-the-scenes look, or listen, at difficult artists and inept management. Each episode an improvised conversation of miscommunication and nonsense. I'll have a link to that in the episode notes as well. If you're a regular listener, thanks! You know this podcast is a labor of love, but we do need sponsorship to keep it going and release episodes more frequently. So if you'd like to become a sponsor of the podcast or know someone who would, contact me at magic at buskerhalloffame.com. You can also visit the Busker Hall of Fame website and throw a little love into our online hat by clicking on the donate button. Or become a sustaining supporter of this project at patreon.com forward slash buskerstories. Thanks in advance for supporting this project and helping keep busking history alive. Music for this podcast came from 357 Lover. Links to both songs are available in the notes section of this episode on the Busker Hall of Fame website. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend about it and leave us a five-star review. It'll help get the podcast noticed, and we'd really appreciate it. 
If you'd like someone to be interviewed or feel a certain voice has not been heard, please reach out to me and let me know. We're doing our best to capture interviews and stories with as many performers as we possibly can. It's up to you to help fill in the gaps. On behalf of myself, Al Miller, who did the interview, Kim Potter, who did the preliminary edit, and the rest of the team of the Busker Hall of Fame, remember, if you can't laugh at yourself, find someone else and laugh at them. I'm Magic Brian. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.